0: is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Michael Rader, executive producer of Theater Aspen, and we cover a little bit of everything from early inspirations growing up to contracts, negotiating, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy part one with Michael Rader. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Michael Rader. Michael, thank you for joining me today.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Clayton.
0: So much to talk about. I, you know, I want to talk about your journey to Cirque, <laughs> talk about theater, Aspen, general management, and so much more. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up?
1: Oh my God! Well, I I grew up in a um, I didn't know it at the time, but it was a super arts uh, um, bustling city of, of, of Dayton, Ohio. Um, okay. Dayton, uh, when I grew up, uh, Dayton was the home of like four or five pretty big national corporations. Um, And what that meant is each of those companies had a pretty sizable chunk of funds that they had to invest or would invest um, in the community every year. Um, And uh, they were very good about investing in the arts. So, you know, Dayton is by no means a large a large town you know it, it is probably you know about the size of the, the upper west side who knows population wise but um you know we had growing up we had two professional dance companies we had an opera we had a symphony we had uh, an equity company we had two touring houses um you know a, a professional tap company um i mean just <laughs> the, the it was it And I thought that's, oh, this is what it is everywhere. I mean, there's just theater everywhere. There's arts everywhere. Um, And um, my parents were also very good about getting uh, us involved in the arts. I mean, this was like, um, this was like the mid 80s. And so, so Broadway was sort of in its Andrew Lloyd Webber, Les Mis, Chess, Miss Saigon, heyday of these mega musicals. And, um, you know, my parents just my mom is especially just loved it and so you know we would um you know I was telling a friend about this the other day but I remember I have this memory of my my father and I like this bonding moment of we were one Christmas they surprised us by giving us tickets to um the tour Phantom was coming to town or coming to Cincinnati Dayton was too small for those things but um, (laughs) but uh and my parents got his front row seats because, you know, that's oh, that's what you do. Those are the best seats in the house. You know that, you know, so that, and, you know, so I remember sitting in the front row with, row with my dad. And at one point he let, you know leaned over and he said, look, you know, look at her face, look at the intensity of her face. And, um, you know, I was probably 10 years old and it was just such a memory of, of um, you know, my father, who is this big sports guy and you know, basically a tennis pro and. Um, it was a way that we connected as well. So, uh, you know, my mother and I would do shows together, like summer stock shows in uh in, in our hometown. And then my dad and I also wandered over it. And it's been a bond that we we still have to this day. So um I was very fortunate growing up in that community. Um, and uh there was a there was a director who grew up in Dayton who in the in the 80s moved back home because he was uh he was dying from AIDS. Um, and he started a summer theater there and I don't know how he did it. It was a, it was a, you know, it was a community theater, but he somehow convinced the symphony to play as the orchestra for these, for these productions and it was outdoors. So it was under, it was called theater under the stars. and he somehow got the symphony to play. So you would you would everyone would bring their lawn chairs and set up at like at like 10 o'clock in the morning and you'd reserve your seat and then come back for the show at night. But, you know, I grew up like seeing Fiddler on the Roof and The King and I and Carousel, like, you know, outside under the stars with the with the Philharmonic playing. Um, and again, I thought everybody has this, you know, this is this is just what every town in the country has. So, um, I was hooked. I was hooked at a very early age. And then I thought, well, I can do this. So I started doing my own productions in my parents' driveway um, of, you know, when I was like 10 years old, I would, um, I would hire the local kids from the neighborhood. I would, I would make them sign contracts so that they wouldn't go to like baseball practice instead of their King and I rehearsals. I love it. (laughs) And, you know, we would put on like the cast recording and we would, uh, you know, perform The King and I for the uh, for the block, and I, I, I've I've been hooked ever since.
0: Was was there a a defining moment for you to decide to do this as a career, or was it always there?
1: It's kind of always there. You know, I remember being in high school and like all the other kids going to like career counseling sessions with you know the counselors and what do you want to do. And I remember sitting down with my with my counselor in, in high school. And I think she was completely relieved because all the other kids, you know, not all the other kids, but I think a lot of the kids were coming in going, I have no idea what I want to do. I, you know, I don't, really? I, I, you know, and I just said, um, I want to be an actor. I'm, I want to be a producer. I want to be a director. I'm going to go to, you know, school. Here's the schools I want to go to. And she was like, oh, okay, great. You know, my work is done. And, and uh, you know, so no, I just, it was always just something I, I, I never had Never had any doubt about. It. I didn't. I, when I was applying for schools or thinking about next steps after high school, I never, I, I never really entertained any other options. It was always, always the arts.
0: I love that you had people sign contracts in your driveway. Where did you learn that <laughs> at such a young age?
1: <laughs> I had, um, Well, this director, his name was Keith Prentice, who was he was in The Boys in the Band on Broadway. He was the he was the original Rolf um, in Sound of Music on the tour. When he came back to Dayton to start this company, he made us sign contracts. And so I uh, I guess I learned it from that. I mean, that would be the only real experience I I had. Um, And so I, you know, I pulled out our little typewriter word processor thing and typed them up and had my dad take them to work to Xerox them and, and uh still <laughs> we'll have them actually I found them in a scrapbook not too long ago and they legally they don't hold up very well.
0: <laughs> a couple of misspellings, some contradictions. <laughs> yeah, <a> few, yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> what did your what did your parents teach you about work ethic? Oh
1: God. My father sacrificed so much um for our family, his dream, I mean, he was very, in high school, he was, he was a really um, top performing athlete and he, he really wanted to go that direction, but he had a really severe um, injury when he was a, a senior in high school and almost died. He actually had, he had a blood clot um, and, um, uh, sorry, blood clot in his brain and uh he he got very close to to death and that kind of derailed his plans it meant he he was thinking about going into the air force he wanted to be a pilot and um once that happened you know that he wasn't going to get accepted um to the air force anymore and and so his his whole career trajectory and path kind of got derailed and he as you know many i think men of that generation did said well i'm going into business you know that's just what you did Mm -hmm. even though that wasn't really it wasn't his passion at all but that's just sort of what you did so he um he has always been very um he's always been insistent on us uh, me and my siblings following our dreams and um doing what you know sacrificing for us that we could and um um you know to this day he's just the uh, both my parents are are incredibly supportive and have always been always been incredibly supportive there was no um you know when I when I when I declared or said that this is what I wanted to do there was never any um pushback you know there was never any are you sure you don't want to consider something else and um so they've always been wonderfully supportive and to this They love my, my, my mother and I grew up doing shows together. So, um, you know, it's her fault,
0: really. (laughs) You can blame it on her.
1: We, um, oh my gosh, we took, uh, we took uh, a ballet class together, our tap class together at one point. We were in the summer productions together. You know, we, we did those together. So we, we, we bonded over over the arts. And, um, it's been, it's been, uh, and my, and my, my siblings love it as well. My brother, um, my, my brother who is, the, you know, is a, is a quintessential straight male, um, you know, knows more Sondheim lyrics maybe than even I do. Yeah, he, it's a, it's a bonding thing for us as well. So no, my, my family is in, in, incredibly supportive.
0: I love that. I love that. Do you have, uh, any mentors or have you had any particular mentors with any standout pieces of advice? Um,
1: well, Keith Prentice, who was the the gentleman who started this theater in Ohio, that was absolutely a mentor to me as a child. Um, he, I, I guess, saw something in me that he maybe recognized in him in himself. Um, and um, you, I remember when I he cast me when I was a child as. um, the boy in um what's i think it's, his name is louis lewis or louis and the king and i mm. um, and he didn't realize i think until well, neither of us realized until the, one of the first days of rehearsal that my voice was changing and i remember coming to rehearsal and and like one of the first rehearsals and trying to sing the song and there was just no possible way it was going to happen and he he had to pull me aside and essentially fire me from the production but he wrote and i was obviously devastated you know it was it was it was heartbreaking um but he wrote me this incredibly sweet letter as a child um essentially laying out how um challenging this business can be at times but um i think he said something you know surrounding yourself with great people that will support you and, and essentially saying that he was one of those people and would be there to support me and there would be other things to come and he uh I was just very touched by it and that was you know I was I don't gosh I don't even know maybe 12 years old at that point in time um but no I've been I've been very fortunate to have um guide posts along the way with many different individuals um that have helped shape you know shape my career and shape who I am and um you know no, no one particular piece of uh, advice that has stuck out, but just, mm. um, um, you know, just those people you meet in your life that, 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 uh, you know, show up all of a sudden and, and shift trajectory or shift ways of thinking. Um, and I've been fortunate to have, you know, a handful of those individuals in my life along the way that have just, um, you know that I that I still love to be with or create with, or um, yeah, I've been I've been very lucky.
0: Is there a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself, or a significant amount? Well, the the, the
1: so I guess it was about seven years ago now. I I was hired as the artistic director at the Cape Playhouse in Cape Cod. Um, and that was a, um, that was a tremendous, uh, undertaking the theater. When I, when I was hired there, wa- had, had, was in a, was in a bad way. And, um, I, you know, up until that point I had had, I had had experience directing, I had, had experienced, I'd worked at Cirque and I had experienced Leadership in many different ways, but that undertaking was probably the most um, challenging um, endeavor in the arts that I've ever had um, on many different levels. And I think I, I learned more about myself um, and the art form and the industry through that experience than 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 anything else. Um, yeah, I would say that, that you know when when I started there the the theater was um was near bankruptcy and um had 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 many years of sort of hemorrhaging um patrons and the community felt alienated um but it was the theater that was beloved by so 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 many people um both in the community and artistically I mean from from the theater community at large and um I I I learned in through through that that process of of rebuilding that organization to trust my trust my instincts and I think that's what really in the in the end um made the most difference um trusting trusting my gut trusting my instincts I mean I was relatively young I mean it's all relative but you know when I got that job I I felt Um, like I had to, because of my age, I had to, you know, sort of prove myself, um, and consistently trusting my instincts was, I think, what, what got me through, um, and, and and helped, um, stabilize that, stabilize the theater. Um, trusting, trusting my instincts as far as, um, Gosh, I don't want to say this. I mean, it kind of connects back to to the mentoring question of of. I had been surrounded by so many wonderful people over the course of my career, and um, that was one of the things that I that I uh, I forget who it was who said to me just just trust your heart, trust your soul, um, and so I, I really learned to do that through that. Job And that is, it's not easy. Oh my gosh. You know, it is not easy to just, to always do that. At least for me, it's not. And so, um, trusting my instincts is where I am today.
0: That's yeah. It's, it's funny you bring that up because what comes to mind is, uh, wrong is wrong. Even if everyone's doing it right is right. Even if no one's doing it. And that's a real character moment for oneself to you know, identify that <laughs> and hold true to it. Even if everything around you <laughs> seems to be going in a different direction.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's similar with like, uh, as a director, the, the, I, I love the, um, uh, the right note given at the wrong time is still a wrong note. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's so much psychology at play. Um, and navigating those situations is um, is key.
0: It is. I, you know, it's funny you say instincts because that's one of my questions for you. How have you gotten better at listening to yourself and trusting your instincts? How has that gotten better? I, yeah,
1: I mean, I guess learning from from not
0: doing it. You know, like sure.
1: <laughs> how many times have I gone back and said, "My, I wish I would have just listened to myself. I wish I would have just trusted my gut," or um, sure. you know so easy at times to go with the group consensus or to go with what you think you should do or what is the popular decision or um um you know it's i, I don't i don't want to get too down too too much down like the rabbit hole of of like the non-profit makeup of having a board of directors and um but you know it's when you have you know the american model of The most traditional model of of nonprofit theater is this, you know, executive director, artistic director model uh, that report to a board of directors and the board of directors is inevitably made up of individuals who, for the most part, generally don't have a lot of experience in the arts or theater, and they tend to be more business focused or finance. Um, And so... I, I i and this was mostly through the cape had to learn to um that sometimes in those you know in those positions as your eyes as, as the artistic leader of an organization you are the sole person in that room who has um the background in the arts or in theater and It's a unique position because you step into any other boardroom in the country or, you know, and a lot of the people in the room share the same kind of background, they share the same kind of Mm -hmm. history. And in these circumstances, you may be the sole voice who uh, has a unique perspective or um, and sometimes that can be that can be challenging to support or not support to to defend Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm a firm, firm believer in the business model of when you like when you are when you are trying to strengthen an institution, a theater that you have, to, you know. When I again, I'll use the Cape as an experience when I came in, they were in a very, very bad way financially. And the instinct from the board was to cut, 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 you know, let's let's mm-hmm. reduce expenses, let's reduce um, seasons and, and, and I had, it took a little bit of convincing, but I had to say, look, you guys, we are not going to attract patrons by, by cutting, 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 and doing, you know, two person shows, or, um, we have to do the exact opposite. We have to expand. We have to invest in our product. We have to, um, we have to choose programming that, that is exciting. And oftentimes that means, um, you know, it's it, it involves taking a big risk yeah and financially and, and otherwise and um and inevitably that has always that's paid off for me you know investing in the product um at the cape expanding the season expanding um the production sizes um was a tremendous success there and um sometimes to a uh, you know a board of directors who uh, has a, f- a finance background or a different kind of background for us that's terrifying for them yeah. <laughs> they think you know well you know um it's a different it's a it, it's just a different uh perhaps way of um of thinking than than business business practice i should say yeah,
0: yeah. well yes because I mean, that's the reason you're brought in, right? To have the creative background, and then you have to justify it financially, <laughs> which is can be very, very difficult to say it is fiscally responsible to spend more money when you know something's not working previously. Um, I'm curious, with that in mind and that communication aspect, how how have you gotten better at negotiating and just communicating? Um, oh gosh, I mean.
1: the well i think i think you mean negotiating as far as with the board type with a with a yeah um well you know it's a fine fine line of sticking with your instincts Mm. um being assertive um but You know Ilya kazan has this wonderful quote about the psychology of directing and that that his approach to directing there was there was um he has he had so much psychology that was at play when as a director um that he's always navigating the room taking the temperature of the actors the you know the creatives and i and i have that same approach with working with a board or working with the company um with staff that you have to be able to, to, to evaluate the temperature, if you will. Yes. Uh, and, um, instill, instill in your team or in your board or your act, whomever it is, um, a sense of an investment of empowerment in the product that you're creating. Right. So, um, once people i found feel excited about what's happening or invested in what's happening that the trust level tends to bond that it increases and once that happens it's much easier to to get things done it's much easier to progress and so Maintaining relationships or developing relationships with individuals on the board or individuals um, or actors or whomever it is, whatever the dynamic that I'm working in is, is really is key. You know, I, I, um, I tend to feel, you know, I try to be intuitive, if that makes sense, of, of reading people's energies and um, and and. Trying to have one-on-one conversations or, or connections with individuals based on on those dynamics i mean that's that sounds a little ethereal and um but you know it's 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 just it's connecting with each person that i can individually um and instilling i guess this is what it comes down to is instilling a certain level of trust with those with those people um as as best as best you can and then um